Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, here for another Q&A episode. Yes, we're excited for this one. It is a great topic. I'm going to argue one that's going to maybe push Peter to his uh, his comfort zone limits, but then again, he has been married to me for a while, and I think it was in our first year of dating that I came out with the book Saddle Sore, Ride Comfortable, Ride Happy, so he's he's been party to a lot of these discussions over the years. Yeah, I mean, I think since that book, it's been good. Uh, it's certainly opened up lines of communication about this topic that you have not named yet, but... Um, yeah, it's one of those ones that should be discussed and should be openly carried on, but it's sort of the trendy thing right now is indeed for periods and, and the sort of menstrual cycle to be taken and, and, you know, there's theories about how we should train around menstrual cycles, right? Yeah. And this isn't just like how to train when you have your period or like how to train to beat PMS or anything. Um, a lot of headlines lately, I'm going to say, have been around this idea of sort of syncing your training to your menstrual cycle. Um, so part of what we wanted to talk about today is answering the question of, should I adjust my training based on my anticipated cycle? Um, so do you want to, should we start with that? I feel like that's probably the the bigger topic. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess that's the the bigger one. The other topic would be just like the the functionality of training during, you know, when you have symptoms of the period of symptoms of PMS. Um, but yeah, we can start with the, the bigger concept of sort of trying to optimize for sort of a hormonal status really. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I will say, I think the reason this is coming up in, in the news cycles lately, and there might be like another, like person who's out there talking about this, but, uh, Alyssa Vitti, who's done a lot of writing on hormones and actually has some great books out there. Um, she just put out one and she's actually been on a ton of kind of podcasts and like popular media and stuff lately talking about how to, how to train for your cycle around your cycle. Um, so it's, you know, high intensity sort of at the beginning of your cycle and then lower intensity sort of through the second half. Um, and it's, it's research based. Right. Um, but I think, a lot of what's been kind of getting tossed into 500 word articles is this idea that this is how everyone should optimize or every female should optimize her training. Right. And I, I take umbrage with that uh, for, for a few reasons. So I guess I'll, I'll say my, my first sort of problem with the adjusting training based on anticipated uh, your anticipated cycle is it doesn't actually apply to that many people or a great percentage of women, because if you look at it, um, it really only refers to women who aren't on any kind of hormonal birth control. So that means, you know, if you're on the pill, if you have an IUD, if you get the shot, any of those things, this does not apply to you because you have some kind of hormonal thing that's already like changing your cycle. So you're out. Uh, if you're perimenopausal, if you're going through menopause, same thing, like, this stuff doesn't really apply to you. Um, and, you know, a topic we've talked about a bunch lately, uh, red S, so relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, you know, that's the new name for the female athlete triad because it applies to men and women. But in the female athlete triad, one of the th- symptoms is losing your period. Right. So there's a whole lot of women who 
don't even necessarily have a proper cycle or like a way of figuring out where they are in their cycle to do the sinking. Right. And maybe not like the heart of this is that, you know, if we, there's like a hormonal status that maybe sets you up to be uh, slightly better in terms of strength or slightly better in terms of, you know, power or running speed or, or something like this, or at least absorb that training. I think that's the, the, the heart of this idea, right? Exactly. Which you could think of this as like, we take caffeine, you know, at a certain dose and we're expecting at a certain time to have increased awareness or, or, you know, arousal, increased performance, maybe muscular performance. So I guess it would be akin to that, that there's like a hormonal status that's going to be more optimal, maybe to some sort of gain. Exactly. Um, and I mean, what you said before, slight Changes right, right. Similar to caffeine, changes. right? Like we're not expecting 100% improvements on this, right? Yeah. yeah. So whenever you hear about this stuff, it does need to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt because you're just not talking about huge performance gains. Um, it's not like shifting your, your training around your cycle is going to suddenly make you 10 times faster um, or not training optimi- optimally to it is going to make you 10 times slower. Um, yeah. And it strikes me as something that is pretty like it's sort of like an altitude training type like you know icing on the cake type thing maybe for an olympian maybe now maybe in the future we'll understand this a bit more and you know it'll be more clear maybe your watch will tell you like you know go for it like you're you're optimized but i think for so many people it's you know you can train when you can train um and there's a lot of gains to be had by you know simply executing a training plan whether that's intervals or endurance or strength training that's exactly right and so as as you even said that i started thinking about like you know if i'm looking at what my month looks like um it's pretty rare that work or like our travel schedule or what clinics we're doing or anything like that lines up perfectly so that i can hit a big week during the optimal time in my cycle if if i even wanted to follow that so i think you know we're getting pulled in so many different directions that to have to add in this whole other layer to how we're approaching training so now if we do have a week where we could train really hard and like do a lot of extra work say in the gym or do more high intensity stuff because work is a little lighter or like maybe you have the week off from school or something like that now, if you can't do that because your hormones are maybe right. fluctuating slightly in a way that means lower intensity would be. Yeah. So like what's the cost of skipping an, an endurance or an interval session or a strength session or, or you know, taking two weeks lighter or whatever the, the theory may be, right? And, and we're probably not fully representing this. And I think that's, that's fine in principle because we're trying to look at this as, as from a functional standpoint and for as, you know, the individual athlete, like what is, how are we supposed to hash through this, this concept? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think the, the other problem that I have with it maybe is it's all, it's all well and good to say this for training. And, you know, a lot of the, the women who have been talking about it and writing about it are actually, it's important to note, not talking about competition specifically. Um, there is some, you know, talk of competition. I know Stacey Sims mentions it in Roar and, you know, I think she does it in a really good way where she talks about like being totally functional and capable of competing no matter where you are in your cycle. Um, but I'd like to say like, you know, a lot of the stuff that's coming out lately is not talking about highly competitive women. It's talking about like optimizing for, you know, better body composition and, and, you know, just kind of more of your casual like person right, who works right. out. So you go to the gym. So maybe you shift a bit what you do to the gym, you know, based on those weeks, but you're, you're going to the gym no matter what sort of 30 days of the, the month. 
Yeah, exactly. Or whatever, I guess, several days a week. So I think what gets missed here is, you know, if if I'm to sort of buy into this and say like, okay, I know two, two weeks of the month, I'm not going to be as good at high intensity exercise. If I sort of internalize that and that's what I'm thinking about, if those two months of, or those two weeks of the month happen to fall during my A race, like the competition that I've been preparing for, you know, whether it's the Olympics or the 200 mile gravel grinder or Ironman or 5k or whatever it is, whatever event that you've like set your sights on, you've kind of psychologically messed with yourself a little bit. Like you've convinced yourself that you're not going to be able to perform optimally because like, A, you've been training, you know, lower during those weeks. So now your body's used to that. And then B, like your brain is now telling yourself like, oh no, you're in these like lower points of the month. So you can't possibly be expected to put out your best result. Right. So you've kind of like made this (laughs) your reality. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, it strikes me as it's just, a, the like gains, I'm not sure how much we're going to get out of it. And, and maybe for some people it is like the ticket, right? Um, but it strikes me as like almost, you know, trying to do, you know, something like keto would come to mind. And we're, are, we're so focused on this one like aerobic change in like the muscle cell that's going to come from a high fat diet. But then we forget that like endurance training has a lot of these benefits, but also is like the sport, right? So when we're trying to ride our bikes for extended periods of time, you know, a lot of us can leverage that and a good diet. I'm not saying the diet doesn't matter, but like an extreme diet that might actually compromise performance, right? And, or like how frequently you can train. It's like, we're sort of like boiling down something that's very complex, the performance, you know, on a bicycle, there's so many different things, technical, mental, you know, all these different factors. And just saying like, we're going to try and like shift our entire life for these, this one metabolic change. Right. Right. So yeah. sometimes it's like we, you can get, you want to like simplify things to like this one thing, right? I see people do this with like power or like TSS, like the training stress score, right? They're trying to represent performance by this one number. So if they drive the number as high as they can, um, the performance will be good, right? And so sometimes it's like we try and like simplify these complex systems. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, the body has how many systems working when we're talking about performance? Like how many systems are at play? Yeah, like you could just as easily measure blood sugar and and decide that that was the thing you were going to optimize for and choose like the time of day that like that's optimal or something, right? Yeah, at Um, some point we can optimize like, uh, oh no, I'm going to mention an inverted U. We can optimize for some stuff, but there's a point where we've just gone so far into optimizing so many tiny things well i guess it's that yeah. we've now made training completely i, I don't impossible. know if it's necessarily inverted you like i mean you could care about it a certain degree and maybe you'd get a benefit to a certain degree but if like you care about it a lot then you're gonna have a downside i guess but i think like with this i just don't see the win being that high right right so maybe the better question the more interesting question for us is the actual question we had Um, which was sort of like functionally, you know, you have this week in your week or so plus or minus that's maybe affected. Maybe there's cramps, maybe there's actual, you know, bleeding from the the period. Um, you know, is there ways that we change the training based on these symptoms, like these actual like symptoms that you're having, right? Again, this could be quite painful, quite disruptive, let alone whatever's going on with hormones. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to me, that's maybe the, the better thing is like, 
can we make this symptom relevant? You know, if you haven't been having an issue with training at any point during your cycle, then, you know, do we really need to optimize? Probably, honestly, probably not. Not if Mm. you're not noticing anything. Um, But, you know, when it is affecting you, then yes, we can absolutely optimize around it. I mean, I don't think we should optimize to where every time you have your period coming up, it's a rest week necessarily, because again, I think the issue with that is then you get into, if you want to compete, you're going to have to, at some point, unfortunately, compete during your period. Right. So I think there's some importance to learning how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Certainly you can, you know, plan for slightly lighter weeks and stuff like that. Uh, so I'd say the, the first thing is maybe, you know, charting everything and sort of figuring out where you are. Um, yeah, which is what I've tried to do with people is just have them recorded as if as you would your sleep, as you would how you're feeling. You're feeling, you know, we're, we're charting these things like mood anyhow for anyone, all genders. Um, so it's just trying to track like, oh, you know, this is and then there's maybe a, a pattern there of like, you know, day two, day three are just like tend to be lots of cramps, not feeling super energetic. So we do try like when we can just to not and or we plan it in pencil like we do every training plan. And then you just have the free card that like you as the athlete can say today's not the day. I'm just going to, you know, I feel like I can spin easy and that's okay. Or I'm actually like it's happening, but it's it's okay. And I'm just going to do the best I can today. And, you know, if if it's not the perfect set of intervals, that's probably okay too. Right. And this is the idea of using like perceived exertion basically. Right. If it's very hard because you're doubled over with cramps then probably makes sense to just you know take it easy back it off a little bit sure um yeah and i mean i think so i think to me that's that's sort of the the first most important thing is just kind of understanding where it is in your cycle that this happens because for some people this is pms for some people it's actually during their period that training is going to be the most uncomfortable Um, and i will also maybe throw the caveat in that i think it's always worth talking to your family doctor or your gynecologist about what's happening especially if it's you know we're talking so painful that you have to you know stop your ride stop your run stop your strength training whatever yeah so anyway it can get improved right are the symptoms lessened yeah, yeah, I've been talking to actually a few younger athletes lately sort of about the the birth control question because of this exact reason. And, you know, I, I don't have one specific recommendation, but I do think a lot of doctors and gynecologists sort of have like the one thing that they prescribe sort of across the board. That's just kind of their standard, their go-to. Uh, that's not going to necessarily work for everyone. So, you know, I know what works for me does not work for a couple different friends of mine and they've found something that works for them that I know from experience didn't work for me. Um, so I, I think it's important to, you know, take that into your own hands and sort of be willing to talk to your doctor and say like, here's the symptoms I'm dealing with. Here's what's going on. Is there a better like birth control fit for me? Right. So it could be in the birth control. And then I've also seen people where it's like something related to, it could be like energy availability. So we have the podcast with Ann Guzman just recently on Red S. Uh, And then we also have a podcast with Kylie Van Horn, which is sort of towards women's nutrition as well. Yeah. We'll link to those in the show notes. And then of course, Stacey Sims. We had those episodes and her big thing, at least my takeaway is always the whey protein from Stacey Sims and just getting protein up higher. Um, And certainly with menopausal, perimenopausal, um, women I've seen that personally with clients, uh, really helping. So that could be a piece too, that maybe, again, it might not be a solution, but it might be a, something that improves some element 
Uh, and then lastly, I guess we have Annika Weingarten who actually does talk a bit about like tracking cycles and she mentions a few apps and uh, some of her studies that she's doing as far as tracking these things and trying to make progress in women's physiology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Clue is one of the more common apps, but you can also just track it in your, your Training Peaks app or if you use HRV for training, you can actually add, I think there is a specific question that's just like, mm-hmm. are you menstruating or not? Yeah, yeah in both. Yeah, and it, as I always say, the HRV for training sends to Training Peaks, which is a great boon and I quite enjoy um, but yeah, there's definitely is that, that there, right. And so you can just sort of indicate, I think it's like light or heavy type thing. Yeah. And I mean, there are also lifestyle things like Peter was saying about the whey protein, but I think there's also like, okay, if you know that you're going to have a really rough go for these couple of days, you know, maybe it's sleeping more, like maybe that would help if you're feeling like a lot of fatigue and like low energy levels during this time. Um, you know, maybe you could actually, you know, check in with your naturopath or, doctor and ask for blood work and see if your iron levels are okay. I know uh, if you are a particularly heavy bleeder, sometimes you can actually end up with low iron as sure. a result. So I think that's yeah. a super important one. And, and like relevant to training, right? It's yeah. like, these are the things where you're like, oh, well, iron is low. Well, that seems much more relevant and, and like a bigger gain or a bigger downside um, if we stay on top of that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a super good point that that, that could be... Uh, an issue is there any other things that come to your mind as far as like tips I guess when you're training you know period the week of 100% yeah Um, so the the first one is you know it's going to sound cheesy but honestly yoga is a huge help for cramping Um, especially like any of sort of your folding postures so I'll just like hang out in child's pose I'll hang out in pigeon um, I'll hang out even in just some, some twists. So where you're lying on your back and your knees are pointing to one side and your head is pointing to the other, just really gentle spinal twists. I find that alone is usually enough to kind of relieve some of like the cramping and bloating feelings. Um, and just, I mean, honestly, really working through like a gentle yoga flow. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's like something, you know, as far as like action you can take, you know, as you've checked maybe some of these nutrition boxes and stuff. I wonder if it's just like upping some of this down regulation. So yoga, things that are relaxing, um, mobility, whatever you want and walking, you know, maybe an extra recovery session versus an extra interval session that week. Like that might be some of the modifications you make because you know, your body's under a bit more stress just from processing this, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the other thing I tend to do in this time, if I have say an interval session, you know, a lot of the time I'm pretty aware that, okay, you know, maybe I'm not feeling at like my absolute peak, but I'm also aware that I want to be able to go hard during my period in the event that I have to race during it. So sort of like framing it differently. Um, yeah. So, I mean, A, you can look at it as like, okay, great. My perceived exertion is a little higher. That's awesome. That's like basically free training for when the going does get hard. Right. Um, or honestly, what I sometimes do too is, you know, if I say have intervals where it's, you know, three miles, easy warm up, and then like four sets of like four minutes hard, three minutes easy. I will do the three mile warm up slower than my normal pace. Right. I will walk the slow parts of the intervals if I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just really drop those parts down and then really just focus on doing the work during the intervals themselves. Right. So that way, you know, my hard work is still staying hard, but the easy work is actually getting easier. Um, so I'll try to kind of mitigate you, it that way. Because so the mental t- 
toll of the injury or the injury, the, the Jeez. workout, the workout could be higher. So I wonder, like you're talking about maybe decreasing some of the load of the workout, which is probably good. I wonder, is there any pattern, like, have you seen people or do you have this where like the cramps or the symptoms maybe are worse at certain times of the day versus like an individual day? Like, is there some sort of optimization? I wonder, like, would morning be better before there's much food in the system or much moving around? Like, is there any, do people have stuff like that? For sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, again, this comes back to, you're going to have to just do a bit of, you know, journaling on this to sort of figure out what your, your yeah, because my thought is, is like, be. when you're talking about like mental fatigue, right. When we had endure the endure podcast with Hutchinson, right. And they talked about like waiting till the end of the day or like after doing like a lot of mentally taxing things and then like that making the workout feel way harder and could even make performance drop. Right. So I wonder if, prioritizing the workout when you don't have a lot of other stressors from work, from school, you know, not a lot on your mind, um, not a lot of mental fatigue. I wonder if that would like help you deal with the higher RP in the workout maybe, right? So prioritizing at least the key sessions during that week. Yeah, for sure. Right. Might change that. Yeah. And I think, you know, reframing wise, I think it's always worth coming back to, you know, you generally know that after a workout, you're going to feel a lot better. Um, you know, you're even if you are a little crampy and you do have to slow down or you even have to cut it, cut it short, you're probably going to feel better having done it than you would have if you hadn't done it. Right. Um, so that's sort of what I always come back to and tell myself when it's tougher to get out the door. Um, but I, I do honestly think like if, if things are bad enough that you don't want to get out the door, you really should talk to your doctor or your gynecologist because there's hopefully some kind of solution that you guys can figure out yeah and there's so many different types right like yeah. you, you tried the copper ied and it actually didn't go well with your body but that's oh my a gosh yeah but then some people that's like the great thing and that one's less no no hormones, that's no hormones yeah, yeah yeah and then yours is sort of like a lower dose one the super low dose one yeah and um, i mean honestly for the i mean at this point yeah i've been on birth control for my half of my life right um and yeah, I've been on every different kind of hormonal birth control you can be on. You know, I came off of that a few years back because I, I didn't really, frankly, I'm lazy and taking something at the same time every day is very difficult for yeah, me. That and was and hopefully me I think we're off. on like the cusp of like some bigger changes in that, that direction, right? I think there's lots of women like Annika uh, who we've had on, you know, sort of pushing the studies and, and trying to get different options and different techniques and stuff for that. Um, especially when we're talking about athletics, right? Okay, so here's here's my like bugaboo that I'm just gonna like rant about for like 30 seconds. I actually get really freaking irritated about how much stuff is like how much is being talked about as far as like our cycles and training and all of this stuff. And very like pretty much anyone is like all anyone will say is just like ah oh, yes the the best birth control method is like no hormones and you know that leaves the copper IUD the rhythm method or condoms and you know, I'll get the, the effectiveness of the last two that I just listed are not, you know, perfect by any stretch. Um, literally just listened to a podcast with a woman who is a doctor and was saying she just accidentally got pregnant because of the rhythm method. So, right. you know, when we're talking about, I just, well, and really it's probably great for people who are on top of that type of stuff. Like the person who would be attracted to that, it's probably quite effective. So your stats on that would be pretty good. But I think, as you say, the majority of people maybe 
do not have the interest in like tracking things. So I just get really irritated when very few people are talking about what to actually do to support your hormones while on birth control. Um, to me, that's that's a part that's like sorely lacking in both athletic and like general women's health. Um, because I feel like you either have someone who's like, yes, hormonal birth control, period, like done. Right. Or you have someone that's like, no, hormonal birth control is terrible. And it's like, well, there, there has to be a middle ground here, people. Well, and it strikes me as something that, you, you know, you want to keep asking questions and keep looking at, right? You might have ended up on it, you know, as a teenager for a variety of different reasons, you know, sure. on one Acne path. Acne is not a good reason to end up on birth control. Yeah, but I think, though, you know, again, things are evolving, things are changing, you're changing. So, like, just asking questions and reading the research. And I think just keeping in mind, you know, some of these ideas when you're reading research, as Molly sort of discussed here, that it, who was the study done in? Is this, like, you know, people your age? Um, your gender, hopefully, in, in this case, um, you know, what is that? What are their goals? Are these athletes who are trying to optimize performance in a sport, or as Molly pointed out, like is this more of like a you know quote unquote normal person doing like just weight maintenance? You know, their performance is a different idea. Um, so age and and goals are relevant, uh, and then yeah, just like their, I guess experience too is, and I guess my thought with experience was. Sometimes in studies, you'll see like, again, uh, like 0.1 or 1% gain, but for the normal, you know, non-elite, non-Olympian people, sometimes 1% is not like a big enough payoff for the cost of the, you know, like you can think of any number of studies on supplements, right? Where, you know, short of caffeine or like maybe like a beetroot juice, the like proposed benefit is so low that the cost is like, like so high. I'd also be really interested to just see how any of that applies to women who've already been training for, say, like 15 plus years in endurance sport or in whatever sport. Right. Like, have they just kind of trained into a pattern where, yeah, sure, they can, you know, they can follow sort of these guidelines for their cycles, but does it matter at this point because they've been doing it for... Which I guess, yeah, like that's almost like the question we have is from a younger athlete who's, you know, still trying and figuring out what works for her, right? And and, uh, you may be exactly right. Like, do you see, just you figure it out, I guess, right? Women have been figuring it out for for themselves for a while here. Um, And and that could be, right? And I I wonder, I thought you were going to say like, you figured out the optimal thing, but you've also become so fit that like maybe any performance benefit, right? Like you often see that like beet juice doesn't work as well in elite athletes because they've already like optimized through training that adaptation, right? Whereas maybe for people who are less optimized in terms of the gains they've had physiologically. So I thought that's the way you were going with that, that like they could be, you know, maybe elites don't, wouldn't benefit from this idea of timing their cycle. But that that's, is not that's not what you're saying. No, that actually was sort of what okay. I was saying. Okay. So that <laughs> that's possible. So we'll have to watch that. Yeah. Um, and then I think the only other thing I want to add here is just um, as far as training on your period and PMS and cramping and stuff is just be very aware as far as using like any NSAIDs, any pain relievers um, while you're training. Um, you know, you, you can get away with it a little bit, but not in the long term and... I think it's just something you should be really careful with and it's not like a permanent solution. Yeah. If you want to talk about things that could have a law, a big downside for sure. Some of that um, is a little scary if you get into that, that reading on NSAIDs and the anti inflams And I think it's always, you know, again, once here and there is, is great, but I think that's, you know, if you're having to go down that path, that might be the type of thing where you want to go and start 
looking at other options or, no, or i i got into a lot of trouble with that in my early 20s at actually like the advice of like a doctor who didn't really understand what i was talking about when i said i was training they i think thought i was a more like three to four times a week gym goer not right. a 20 hours a week person and you know six months into that i had like half kidney function so right right because the NSAID was was affecting kidney yeah yeah so yeah and that's not even like you're not combining that necessarily with alcohol at that time no. in your life but like this is how we get down this like rabbit hole of you know these are the big rocks <laughs> you know of of trying not to combine all these things yeah so just be, be super careful there right cool. so we, we could have be optimizing our our cycle two two weeks on two weeks off for the sake of you know the small benefit but then forgetting these other things exactly yeah. yeah okay well great question to those who put that in and again we'll try and link all these past episodes and some of these like uh the stacy sim ones was one of our most popular episodes so definitely worth going back and reviewing if you can um and then that recent one with ann guzman has also done really well so i feel like <laughs> awesome well thank you guys so much for tuning in head over to consummateathlete.com for the show notes and please don't forget to rate and review this podcast it is super helpful whenever you do thank you so much and we'll see you soon thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast if you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes please do us a huge favor leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts it really helps us bring on you know great new guests and yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs um, at consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram. Uh, and I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter. And Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. <laughs>